Hello and welcome to Business Line podcast. My name is Aksha Chandrasekharan. In all the talk of how even for companies and well-established businesses, COVID-19 has been mission critical. Relatively little attention is being paid to startups. Building a startup almost always involves taking a risk in an uncertain environment. When this is placed in the context of a global pandemic with entire populations placed under lockdown, consumer spending at a historic low, the struggle becomes existential for startups. And that's a problem, but one that my guest today is ready to solve. Today we are in conversation with Paul Ravindranath, who heads the Google Accelerator program at Google India. as someone who has been observing the way things have been playing out for startups in terms of product strategy business pivots investor funding so closely he speaks on authority when it comes to this subject thank you for joining us today paul let's dive right in how has this year's application for gfs been I mean, we typically don't look at volume as an indicator of whether it's better or not. The startups are pivoting trying so many new things and a lot of new companies have emerged over the last year and a half Uh, to kind of lean into the new opportunities post uh, covid-19 so yeah so that's it's looking positive uh, class 6 uh, the form is still open so when startups apply they can we can still consider them uh, although we closed the formally closed it on the 20th the applications are still pouring in so we are still evaluating we are a sector agnostic and stage agnostic support program and uh, we continue to kind of uh, keep those as a core things that we expect when startups apply to the program what are some of the sectors that are gaining traction i think edtech fintech uh, healthcare uh, these three sectors uh, gaming media and entertainment um, certain verticalized e-commerce sectors like you know um, it could be medicine delivery or uh, grooming and beauty kind of e-commerce um, or even like your uh, you know baby uh baby related baby related e-commerce um i think those sectors are uh, obviously like on the rise or heating up a lot of it is driven by the fact that uh we are moving digital for most of the services doorstep services being provided or being consumed by all of the consumers out there so we are definitely seeing that trend and we have also shifted the scope of the accelerator towards supporting those kinds of startups as they innovate call it black swan once in a blue moon the day nobody could have predicted this but now that it has happened what are some of the challenges facing startup founders today so from a from an entrepreneur's perspective um, you know there's a lot of new areas that uh, they need to build a stronger muscle on right so one is the product strategy and pivot so this is the first area i would say is um for startups that have already been in existence pre pandemic and they suddenly get into this uh pandemic season and now hopefully the waning of the pandemic their product journeys the user journeys they're all different now um and in order to survive or to kind of take advantage of uh, you know the new users uh, they will need to execute pivots at the product level they'll need to execute pivots in terms of their strategy so the whole evolution of product strategy and how founders and entrepreneurs have to think about that i think that's one of the challenges uh, that most uh, entrepreneurs would have faced or are facing right now in the last year or so um so that's one of the things that has changed in a from a founder lens uh, the second thing is you know like funding uh, although if you see the data says that 
the number of deals that were done last year 2020 were actually higher i think there were about 800 deals funding deals done compared to about 750 or so the previous year so there are more deals but the ticket sizes are smaller right so uh, funding is is available right uh, people are uh, now investors are investing into these areas but the founders that are out there need to invest a lot in managing their burn rates so how can they make sure that their existing funds um, have really good runway, uh, especially to last them through executing a pivot or you know uh, uh, making sure their investors who have invested in them pre-pandemic are able to see traction in these startups uh, and see that they're leaning into the opportunity. So managing burn rates of the company, your teams, how you how you're spending on things like credit, cloud, and all of that stuff is, becomes important. Um, third area that's from a, again from a founder lens is more about uh, you know identifying new sources of revenue as a startup um, and perhaps your traditional source of revenue would have waned or now looks different um, and uh, the user behavior has changed like i said so the product strategy forces many startups to get into new areas of potential revenue and do a lot of pilots and experiments so you see some startups out there would be doing a lot of that stuff so that is one. And the last two things I would say is uh, productivity for a startup. I think in the last year and a half with the whole work from home change uh, and now people are getting back into work. So there's been kind of an evolution in how what work means right, and how what work looks like. So working from home and the productivity loss temporarily that would have come through that and now the leaning into the new way of working. So as a startup unit, as an entrepreneur or a founder, when you have to manage that kind of uh, kind of i would say ebb and flow in your productivity as a startup i think that takes its toll and managing that can be a challenge um, so that's that's another thing that has changed right the nature of work itself has changed for founders and for for entrepreneurs out there and last but not the least i i would say it's the well-being right um, the pandemic has been hard on most people um, now it's kind of feels like peacetime but not too long ago, you know, it was really bad with the wave two. And even before that, last year was uh, so uncertain, right? So uh, things might be looking up a bit now, but uh, we can't ignore the fact that the emotional journey that founders had to go through and their teams. And, uh, you know, that's something that um, is a very human thing, right? So entrepreneurs are also humans. Uh, they, they, they manage to take stress a lot better, I would say, than some of the other folks but uh, it is the well-being of founders and their teams i think is something that uh, now people will definitely look at differently speaking of risk taking has the risk appetite reduced for entrepreneurs or is it having a reverse effect where say they are being more adventurous different entrepreneurs take uh, different approaches and what i've seen through last year kind of three step model if i can broadly classify it it's like reset you have to reset, reassess, and reimagine because everything changed in the span of a span of a year, right? So, firstly, resetting is basically understanding uh, their own business, its value in this new world, uh, what's fundamentally changed. Like sometimes for some industries, like travel uh, or even cab industry or hotels, like it's like you know the ground beneath their feet is kind of just moved, right? Um, that's pretty harsh right similar but there are some, some folks that were already doing telemedicine already doing online education those entrepreneurs experience tailwinds and it's time for them to take risks in a different 
context, right? So, because you have to lean into the opportunity. So, tailwinds and headwinds. I think understanding to reset as the first step, uh, take a stock of where you are, where things are, and that sometimes the risk sometimes there is to end up with a conclusion that, look, I don't think this business will survive uh, through such a long period of lull. Um, and either I have to pivot or I might have to fail fast and move forward, right? So I think understanding that part as an entrepreneur um, is, is kind of diving into the unknown part of, is of the risk-taking part of entrepreneur. So that's around resetting. And the, the following step after that, I would say, is kind of reassessing, which is uh, where can I go now or where? What? how do I move into this new opportunity or, um, you know, how do I rebuild or pivot? And unfortunately, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, tend to be black or white people. They try to try to bring clarity to chaos, right? So and they thrive in ambiguity, but eventually they want to make an ambiguous situation clear. And that's how they perform uh, better. Like it's black or white, zero. It's like more of a binary thing that uh, they try to move any kind of issue towards. Uh, but unfortunately, the world that we were in through last year was... So unpredictable, right? So I think reassessing where your business is headed, uh, I think is going, was uh, kind of the second risk, uh, the second part of having a risk appetite. And finally, it's about reimagining, uh, you know, the way forward. I think lots and lots of entrepreneurs you see out there, you look at the ed tech space, the food tech space, um, have kind of just jumped on to what's possible. Um Many people have pivoted and unfortunately, several folks have decided to kind of call it a day and start something new as well. So I think that's the nature of entrepreneurship. And uh, I don't think that, I mean, this is kind of um, a moment in time that probably we couldn't have planned for or predicted. But like I said earlier, like with some of those standard things like managing your burn rate, reassessing where you're going and so on and so forth. Uh, entrepreneurs I have been able to tide over and find kind of success as well. Some of our listeners might be students, startup founders themselves, or working at a startup. So according to you, what are some of the skill sets needed to build a sustainable and scalable startup? When you talk about skill sets required to be uh, to build successful companies, right? Uh, often skill set is uh, associated with a, the individual who leads the company, right? Um, and I feel like to build scalable businesses, I think the key skills that are actually needed is to the skill to build a really good and balanced uh, team to lead that particular company. Because if you look at the founder profiles in India, more often than not, you'll see that you know a lot of them come with a technical background or from an engineering background. They're really good at identifying a problem, trying to build a technical approach to solve for that problem. Uh, and that sometimes the the business or the, the product that they build is brilliant. Uh, they've kind of figured out a business model. The part that when, uh, when scale hits, uh, the part that they need the most help with is actually to find the right people to kind of come on board to the team and help them really sustain and scale the product. So it's not necessarily technical skills that uh, I would say that is lacking. Uh, I think there's a lot of technical talent uh, out there in, in India at least. Um, but I think founders, uh, tech founders who can find really great co-founders or build a really great CXO co-team, I think those tend to be a lot more 
balance successful because they have really great people challenging each other on the journey the product strategy uh, and they have uh, leaders who kind of believe in the same vision and they kind of check each other when uh, say they go away out of scope or they're able to sustain through like periods like the 2020 period right uh, if by staying together and and uh, i think it's also about wisdom of crowds you know one two heads are better than one always so i believe uh, after having worked with multiple companies and i've seen that the ones that have like really good co-founding teams or really great uh, cxo teams and the and then places where they really gel well together they know and believe in the product that they're building those tend to have a longer runway and also uh, tend to be more successful in the long term rather than if it's i mean i'm not saying that single founder startups are not successful but i think this skill of building a great team actually can hold most startups in good stead in terms of uh, scaling up and being sustainable. Uh, so that's that's my opinion on that. Essentially, soft skills. Is it safe to say that soft skills are extremely important in building teams, which eventually lead you to building a good startup? Uh, absolutely. And I do want to make a distinction here, Akshaya. Like, technical skills are important, but the stage of the startup or the stage that we're, of the problem-solving is also important. So if you're just starting out building, you identified a problem, you want to build a technical way to solve the problem, right? So having a really great technical solution or a, a minimum viable product with your early users is absolutely important. At that stage, when your idea is becoming into a reality and you're getting real users, technical skills tend to uh, be more important because those are the, the skin and bones of the, the problem uh, solving uh, solution itself. But once you have that initial traction as a company and you want to sustain and grow and be successful on top of that, you need to kind of have the skills to build a great team. And I would say like, yeah, I mean, you could call it soft skills or whatever. Uh, but we do have, for example, in the Google for Startup Accelerator, we have a module called the Leaders Lab. And this exclusively focuses on the leadership style and the leadership skill of the founding teams that are part of the Accelerator. So it involves us actually querying or quizzing their core. If, if you are a founder, your co-founders, your core CXO group, your investors get to answer a questionnaire about you. And it's anonymous. And we build kind of an anonymous. Uh, and, and you, right, as a founder, you build your own uh, you know, self-assessment. And your self-assessment of your leadership style is compared against what your core team assesses your leadership style as there are invariably blind spots that emerge from an exercise like that where you believe you may be good at x but your team or others believe that these are the areas you're better at and these are the areas you need to improve so these soft skills actually help and and there's a data point which says 65 percent um, of startups fail mostly because of leadership related issues where they have unable to find a great team to move forward the, the vision and the journey Right. So I would say like placing an emphasis on the leadership skills, uh, their ability to build great teams, I think uh, is really, really key for building a scalable and successful and sustainable startup. So what next for Google for startups, Paul? What are some of the focus areas, expansion plans? I want to take a moment to say that, you know, Google for startups uh, is not is not only our accelerator, right? So our accelerator works with so far, we have worked with 96 companies. Uh, all of these startups have, most of them have gone on to do really well. You know, we have about uh, almost $2 billion in fundraise amongst this portfolio once they have graduated. 
uh, we've created more than six, seven thousand jobs because of these different. I mean, we've, we've kind of been part of that journey for these startups as well. Uh, but beyond our accelerator, we also work with uh, you know many others in the ecosystem, right? So if you look at double click into what accelerator offers, uh, we primarily offer mentoring as the backbone of everything. But that's mentoring not only from 30 plus Google Teams, uh, but also we have a broad mentor network of industry folks, alumni of the program who come back and give back to the ecosystem. Remember, this is a completely free program. It's built where the, where the attitude and intent of the program is one of giving back to the ecosystem with a founder first kind of approach. So it's mentoring, workshops, tons of content, really, really uh, latest stuff that we offer to founders. All of this great content and others, we also have packaged it and we are offering it to what we call Google for Startup Partners, right? So other accelerators, incubators, and we're trying to slowly grow this network and so that even startups that are, say, quote unquote, not, not part of an accelerator, maybe they're a early stage company or up and coming startup in tier two or tier three town, uh, we want them to experience the same content or access at least to the same kind of mentoring. So we have been doing that. This is called the Google for Startup Partner uh, Program. So in addition to Accelerator, we have the Google for Startup Partner Program. As of today, we have about four partners and we are growing the network, right? So uh, 91 Springboard is a co-working space as a partner. Social Alpha, which is a social enterprise uh, incubator funded by Tata Trusts, that's a partner. Uh, we also have like uh, Desh Pandey Foundation, which is, a, which is based out of Hubli and focuses mostly on Tier two and three, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, rural entrepreneurship, you know, they are a partner as well, right? So, uh, and T Hub in Telangana uh, is a is a partner to the program as well, and we are continuously growing this. And the idea here is to offer more of these goodness of the network, so to speak, not only to accelerator companies but also to other startups that are up and coming, and through some of these uh, really great partners that we've identified. So I wanted to quickly make that broader point about Google for Startups. Third thing that I'm quite passionate about and we didn't get to cover a lot is women entrepreneurship. I think, uh, like I said earlier, uh, the number of deals in 2020, funding deals, actually uh, went up, but the ticket sizes of the deals uh, were kind of lesser. So about $10 billion uh, was invested uh, in 810 deals. But if you just double click and look at the women founder piece, um, through 2018, through 2020, in the two-year period, uh, only about 5.77% of startups who had uh, women founders got funded. Right? So for all the funding that happened, only 5.77% had women founders. And if you take a look at only sole women founders, it's even lesser. It's about 1.4% or less than that. So there's a clear area. And if you really look at uh, mentoring needs of women founders, they tend to be uh, in entrepreneurs, all entrepreneurs have the same kind of mentorship needs, technically, product strategy, leadership, uh, and other things. But there are a few areas uh, where women entrepreneurs have called out that they need more help with. Like it could be a little bit on the softer side. It's a little bit on the funding side, lots on the networking side, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, and there are multiple reports out there that highlight these needs. So I would personally definitely look at, um, you know, uh, women entrepreneurship and explore that area on how we can make a difference or kind of add value to women founders in India beyond some of the other things I highlighted. That's brilliant to know, Paul. Congratulations and thank you for taking the time out and speaking to Business Line Podcasts. 
If you like what you heard, share the link, check out our site thehindubusinessline.com and watch our videos on youtube.com backslash thehindubusinessline. That is youtube.com backslash thehindubusinessline. Thank you for tuning in. You'll hear more from us next time.